Welcome to the Business Club podcast. Here we go. <laughs> Hello and welcome. I'm Tracy Jane Hughes from the Business Cheerleading Club and I'm with Annabelle Kay um, today who is, has um, come to join us to, to talk the wonderful, um, all things wonderful about GDPR. So, um, it, let me just start by saying that GDPR in the, the communities that I'm in, in the business communities I'm in, is causing the most conflict, the most conversation, the most you must do this, oh no, you mustn't do that conversations that I have ever seen in my 15 years of being in business. Um, so that's why it's, it's wonderful to have you here, Annabelle. So just, uh, Annabelle, just tell us a little bit about who you are, because some people won't have met you before. It is possible. This <laughs> well, my name's Annabelle Kay, and since I started the business I run today in 1980, so all of that time I've been reading EU directories for a living, because I do, I do employment law in the dark side of HR by which I mean I have never given anybody a pay rise or promoted them. It's not my function in the world. Um, I do all the things no one else wants to do, but often they do. And um, about 10 years ago now, I realized that a lot of micro businesses that once had a part-time receptionist or someone in the business um, were actually turning to outsourcing to VAs, outsourcing to web designers, to bookkeepers. And the profile of how we run businesses had changed. Now we call it the gig economy, but when I started the coffee clutch brand um, to service this market, it didn't have a name. So I thought it's all about having a cup of coffee, working in the coffee shop, you know, let's have a coffee related name. Since then, I've been looking after in that coffee clutch brand, micropreneurs, some of them are pretty mighty, by the way, because, you know, you can have 80 people on your outsource team. I think of them as the mighty mouse of, of the modern economy, you know. Um, and as a result of that, about 18 months ago, people started talking to me about GDPR, General Data Protection Regulations. And I was particularly interested in it in this micro space where predominantly people are outsourcing. Then they haven't got 400 staff when they can go, go away and sort out GDPR. And um, originally, I just researched it, obviously, for my own business. And because my customers were saying, are oh, the contracts you provide GDPR compliant? What do I need to do? What do I need to get people to do? And in order to answer that question, to figure out what. Um, so we started our research about two years ago, I guess. We knew it was coming because we're boring and we made this sort of stuff, you know. And originally, we just saw it as something we would build into our core offering. It wasn't a separate product anymore. And if you do medicine, maybe sticking plasters is a thing. It's just part of your thing. Yeah. And then I got really angry because I started to see really confused and upset people going, I've just been told basically the way I run my business, I can't do anymore. Or I'm not allowed to do this. Or unless I do this, then it's going to cost me a thousand pounds or fill in the numbers. You know, I can't be in business anymore. And these were people within my own customer communities that I knew. I knew they were stupid people. You know, I, I knew that they hadn't got the wrong end of the stick because they weren't paying attention. There was a lot of fear marketing going on, and I'm still seeing it out there. So we stepped up to the plate for our own communities. We started with virtual assistants last June. 
We've got some great graduates now know what they're doing. It's fabulous. And um, we said, well, we'll help you. We've got to do GDPR for our own business. We've got to yeah. do it for our own contractual offering. Why not sort of turn the lemons into lemonade? So we started and the group's now got about 160 VAs and it's grown a bit. We, we, we worked through a process of, well, what is it? How does it affect the way you trade your business and all the other things that people worry about and out of that it kind of grew it got a bit out of hand so we had trainers come to us and go why can't we join the VA's group and it was like but your business process doesn't match so we started a trainers group and so it's gone on but our focus is very much on group support for people in very similar businesses because there you get down to the nitty-gritty of some sense I mean you wouldn't walk into a room for the trainers would you and say you're not allowed to collect delegate data Right, because you'd be a bit nervous, but people get a bit peculiar about GDPR, you know. And one of the things I think is a problem about GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulations, is the old thing. I mean, 38 years in business, this has never failed me. To the man with a hammer, every problem is a nail. So, if you're, <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you if you do cybersecurity. <laughs> It's all about cybersecurity. You've got to encrypt it. You've got to have anti-phishing devices. You know, if you do contracts as we do, it's all about contracts. But it isn't all about either of those things. Yeah. And so everybody's got a thing about GDPR. And then on top of that, a lot of people like to say it's this or that. And I, I yeah. get this in my groups. You know, I get people going, should I put this word in my email sign up list or that one? And they want the answer, this word or that word. Yeah. So when I say yeah. to them, well, hang on a minute, why do you need this information? What's your purpose? And what are you going to send them when they sign up? Because that affects the wording. They go, stop mucking about, just tell me A or B. So the, it, a lot of people don't like uncertainty. So they, when someone gives them quite a nuanced answer and goes, well, it's all about intention, it's about purpose, it's about clarity, Go, stop mucking about. And then out of that comes people going, well, my advisor said I've got to put this word in. And your advisors yeah. said you've got to put that word in. Well, you might have different purposes. Of course, you're getting different answers. Yeah. But we like as busy entrepreneurs, the last thing you want to do is get up this morning and spend six hours thinking, what am I here for? Why am I collecting data? Right, we're not running yeah. a philosophy class, are we? We're running a business. <laughs> And, and we don't really have the mental or emotional space to address this. So we're always looking for quick fixes, yeah. really. And I was talking to an amazing uh, woman. I don't know if you know her, Amanda Watts, the other day, because she's quite local to your groups, isn't she? And she okay. has accountants, market, and she's just brilliant. And I said to her, look at it this way. If I came to you as a marketing specialist and I went, I don't want to think about marketing. I actually don't care who my target market is, right? Don't want to know. Don't want to know what they want. I just want you to write me a marketing plan that I can execute without giving it any thought. What use yeah. would that be? He said, I think you're a lunatic. I went, right, this is the problem with GDPR, that okay. it, it, everybody's grasping on, well, I can understand that bit. You yeah. know the story of the six blind men and the elephant, don't you? You know, one of them's grabbing the tail, going the elephant's rope, and one yeah. of them's holding the size case. Well, and GDPR's a bit of an elephant. You yeah. know, and, and I, some of us are holding the ear, going, I think we need to talk about it. Some people yeah. are, well, we don't want to know what part of the elephant some people are holding, really. But, and everyone's going, that's what GDPR is. 
Yes. But but at its core, it's something quite radical and something quite simple, as radical things often are, right? And what is radical, though to me self-evident, is that I own my own information. Okay. If I share it with you as a customer or potential customer, I get, I'm having a little bit of a pretty woman moment here, I get to say where, I get to say when. I don't just get hijacked. Now, that is quite a simple proposition that the, the, the data about me, the data that identifies me, and I much prefer the word information because I've got loads of people going, I don't collect data, we don't have a database. And it's like, yeah. you've got an address book, darling. Yeah. You can't tell me that whenever a customer rings up, you've got no idea who you are. <laughs> you must be collecting something. You've got to be collecting information. So, if you get your ideas into the idea that the customer's information belongs to them, they can lend it to you. Yeah. They can share it with you. Think of the words we use, yeah. sharing. But that doesn't mean you own it as a business. It means they okay. do. That is yeah. the very core of GDPR. It's about respect. That, that makes total sense. Because it does when you're the customer. The problem yeah. is that all the systems we've used since the 80s, and I can remember the thrill of my first e-newsletter, <laughs> not having to put all that stuff in a thank you machine, brilliant. All of the systems we use primarily derive from America. I know we have Australian yeah. things and whatever, but primarily 80% of your software platforms have their origins either in an American company or in something invented in America that somebody yeah. else had to go out and repackage somewhere else. All of that data is based on the entitlement that the business can do what it wants. Yeah. And goodness help you if you get into the system because you can't get out, you know, you can't yeah. disappear. The problem is getting the way we operate alongside the way we need to think because most of us are not commissioning platforms. I don't yeah. get to go to Dropbox and go, this is what I think you need to do. Dropbox yeah. go, this is what we do. And are my yeah. choices yes or no? And it's pretty much the same with zero accounting. Is that I can't imagine getting hold of them and saying, it's a bit off putting your stuff's in Australia. I wish you to move your head office to Europe. I, okay. I, I can't really see that. <laughs> Can you much wait? As much as you'd like to. Well, I'd obviously like to rule the universe. There's one or two things I'd like to get done. But, you know, as a micro entrepreneur, you're not in the same situation as these really big businesses who can say, well, let's put our customer database in Berlin or Dublin or London, and that solves the problem. So we're tailing Charlie's with it all. And so a lot of the stuff you see out there about you must do this, you must never do this, you must always do this, it's very top-level information being interpreted as if you were a really big business. And then yeah. we get anxious. And as soon as we get anxious, we get dogmatic, don't we? There is a right way, and it's my way. But here's the fact. The EU directive is two years old. Right. There's nothing new happening there except that it's coming into force. But <laughs> it's just that date, isn't it? 25th of May. It's just a yeah, date. It's, it's about, I don't know, 26 pages long. And yeah. um, in the UK, though, we've got a little problem. And that is that the Act of Parliament designed to bring this into force hasn't been finished. Okay. It's about 252 pages long when I read it. We love a simplification process in this country. <laughs> um, and it's not been finished. So there's lots of people going it's this and it's that but, but it's we don't actually know yet well no we don't know no you know but we we can make some intelligent guesses so yeah. some people are saying 
this is my guess, but but they're not couching it as this is my guess. They're yeah. couching it as this is what it is. Okay. And two intelligent, well-informed guesses by two different people with two different hammers off to two different nails can create a, well, is it this or that? And obviously there is the little detail that the people who want a thousand pounds or five thousand pounds of your money yeah. are often quite motivated to get you frightened, really. Yeah. And my rather laid back approach of, well, some of it's common sense and some of it's a bit of work and let's do the obvious and worry about the weird later. It's not the sort of thing anyone's going to give you five thousand pounds for. Is it? <laughs> Well, I, I think that's what I mean. I, I've been to a couple of your of your webinars, um, Annabelle, and, and that's why, you know, I wanted to, to speak to you, you know, for, for the community here, because, you know, you do have a no nonsense approach to this. And, you know, to me, a lot of it is common sense. And going through your um, your your planner, which is a free download that, that you you pulled together, a free checklist that you've pulled together on your website. Um, that I think is still there. Or we can, I don't know. We'll, we'll put um, a link to it in when this chat is in the fine. group somewhere. Um, forgive me, I'm getting over the flu, so right now I can't even remember where I keep it. But it'll come to me. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. But you know, I, I, I I've got a blank sheet, so I'm not sharing any any of my own data here. So <laughs> I was doing doing my my due diligence. Um, but these are really simple things that any business should be thinking about anyway gdpr or not so i think that sort of taking that fear away from people is just like this is a business process that you should be considering anyway and you are responsible for the information about your business your staff your vas your customers and how you store it and how you handle that information is something that you should be responsible for whether there's a new, whether there's new rules in place or not, so I think complying, with existing, complying with the existing rules would be about eighty percent of it. The problem is that a lot of micro businesses have got it into their head one that the existing rules didn't apply to them. Okay. Right. Yeah. So they're not starting from okay, I'm eighty percent compliant. What's the twenty percent difference? Yeah. They're starting yeah, okay. from you having a laugh. What do you mean this applies to me? Because we we have this yeah. idea that because we're tiny, we we we're kind of exempt. Yeah. But actually, that is very, very rarely the case. And although there are some exemptions within the general data protection regulations for businesses being small, it's not a no, none of it applies. It's just that yes. little bit doesn't apply. And that also has got lost in translation. Yes. You know, um, it, it, there is no general exemption. And on the other hand, you've got people going around genuinely thinking that they're going to be fined out of business before yeah. we get to the end of the summer. And, and that, yeah. too, I think, needs a ghost that needs lame the information commissioner's office does not have a hundred thousand inspectors waiting to pounce <laughs> on the 26th of may truly yeah. i'm not sure the government going to fund that you know yeah. I, I think that there's going it's a good thing to be compliant because i personally don't want to do business with people who are cavalier with my information we have major yeah. problems with identity theft in this country and i constantly find myself saying to people before i give you this information what do you want it for Yes. Wouldn't you? Yes, definitely. Well, even really? do domestic transactions. Like, I'm not a domestic goddess, so about every six months I need a cleaner. Surprise me. It should be more often, really. And I don't tend to book from the same company over and over because being a Londoner, there's lots of choice. And we always end up with them saying the cleaner will come 
if you give us your credit card details and I'll go great give yep. me a secure link and they go no 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 we want you over the phone to give us your credit card details and I'm like you're joking I can't see who can see that I don't know what's where it's going afterwards I don't do that nine out of ten cleaning firms say to me well madam there's no way we can do this I go fine so I'm quite picky about that because I don't want my credit card details going on someone's notepad in a, in a cleaning office with 400 cleaners in and out of it, unsecured. Yeah. I mean, I would say things like, well, what's your data protection policy? How secure is it? And they go, policy? We have no policy. This is not good business, is it? Yeah. And the whole thing <laughs> is about is really being able to answer those very sensible questions. Why do you want my information? Who's got yeah. access to it, right? How securely is it going to be held and, and how long for? That's 80% of GDPR. Yeah. It's all of it. There's me being able to say, well, you've got my information. What is it? And and what? But that, that's the big piece because without that, yeah. you can't do the rest. And and the truth is, as, as entrepreneurs, we're a bit lazy and greedy. We're not lazy generally, but because we're so busy doing other stuff, we're lazy yeah. about this side of things. And what we tend to do is accumulate data about people, prospects, potential prospects, newsletter lists, anything, someone I met at an event, um, any sort of stuff. And then we just hold on to it forever, thinking it might come in handy. Yeah. So we're hoarders, really, aren't we? And this we, idea we of hoarding it all goes against yeah. the idea that I, as the, the, the consumer, the data subject, could reasonably expect that you, you wouldn't collect unnecessary information about me. Yeah. And of course, we live in an age where overlayered on that is all this behavioral marketing. You know, yeah. Google knows more about where I go than I do. I find this terribly convenient. I'm not one of these people who goes, oh, my goodness, I'll turn off my geonegator. I can't tell you the number of times my husband and I have said we were in that town doing that talk and we went to that pub and it was really good. What was it called? I don't know. But Google knows. And I'll say to Google, where was I on the 13th of January? Yeah. yeah. I think this is wonderful. But the downside of this is Google gives me ads for events in towns I've been to for four years because it's, yeah. it's still connecting my data with something over there. And rather yeah. worryingly, sometimes when I'm having a chat about things on the phone, ads appear for that that I swear I haven't searched for. And that's okay. intrusive. So the technology, if you combine that yeah. kind of technology with our natural tendency to hang on to all data, you've yeah. got a bit of a nightmare scenario. You've got all yeah. these businesses talking about big data, aren't they? Yes. Um, but what does big data mean? But a lot of nosiness about what you're getting up to. So we, we have to we, find we, we have, we have got a couple of viewers, so I'm just asking if they've got any questions. I, I do have some questions for people that couldn't come live. So, um, Well, we can we can move on to the questions, I'm sure. But in the end, if you if you treat your data with respect and stop taking the Michael, you'd be 90 percent of the way there. I think it's the marketing piece that's causing most people trouble, really, the sales and yes. marketing. You know, if I, yes, I met and, uh, once in the pub, could, can I email you forever? Seems to be the big problem isn't it? yeah and what what one of the specific questions i i've had for from someone um who she she, she runs a shop she she runs um uh it's, it's a pottery painting shop and um people come in they paint ceramics they um they, they put their name and um and details onto a slip of paper that goes alongside their um 
uh, their ceramic that they've painted so that when it gets fired, they, everybody knows whose it, whose it is. And there's a tick box on, the, on that form. Would you like to um, join our newsletter list for, you know, future events? That, that. And um, Jane then puts them onto MailChimp but, and then she bins that piece of paper because she's collected that information. She's done what that customer has expected that information to, to have you know, done and that's it. So she doesn't have that back record of consent to that email list. And I think, again, that's quite a lot of the, the issues that people don't have that record. And there's lots of people sending out new links. You know, if you want to keep on our newsletter, you need to sign up again. I call it tsunami of consent. You know, I get a thousand a day from people I never even knew I was on their email list saying, do you yeah. want to stay on? And it's like, well, hell, I've never read your email newsletter anyway. So let, yeah. let's kind of cover that off. The new general data protection regulations have got a lot to say about marketing and consent, right? They talk about informed consent at the point of sign up. Yes. And absolutely getting people to go, yes, I want to be on your email list at the point of filling in the form, tick the box, yeah. it's compliant with that, right? The only time it wouldn't be was if your email newsletter list was going to contain a deal of the day or something like that. A newsletter is a newsletter list. You know, if you want to have a let yes. me sell to you till you want a screen list, I think you need to make that play. <laughs> I'm not sure anyone has signed up, but assuming that what they get is what they agreed to get and, yeah. and they've actually consented to it in those express terms, that's great. There's a lot of over response to that. You know, yeah. one of the problems is that people have gone, do you want to be on my newsletter list? Tick. And then they've put them on five lists with the date of the day, the date of the that. That's not. Yeah consent so we get in a muddle but one list one consent one purpose still doing the same purpose no biggie the problem yeah. we've got with the manual system is the next thing about email marketing is you've got to be if necessary able to what they call evidence consent isn't that yes. lovely have you ever evidenced anything you know it's, it's not really in english which basically means prove you know so if i'm on your email list and then it does happen that people forget that they sign themselves up yes. and I go, why the hell am i on this list you should be able to say to me because yeah not, i have no idea now the problem with throwing away the little forms is obvious right that, there is that, no evidence that, there is no evidence now obviously can't go back in time five years and magic yeah. back the consent. So you have a number of choices and they're, they're choices about risks and they're choices about how you run your business. But at the end of the day, at two ends of the spectrum, you can go, I am so paranoid about consent that I'm going to do this consent tsunami and get hold of everybody again. Please, yeah. by the way, do not take the opportunity to do a Friday 5% off coupon because obviously they hadn't consented to that. Do not get in a loop of reaching consent by getting consent you know and then we're seeing people yeah, yeah. so okay. that's one way in which case a, a large number of people on your list who are perfectly happy receiving your stuff will probably forget you know so you you will be yeah. this cleaning in a very big way a slightly more sanguine approach and it's not really within the absolute letter semicolon dotted i's and crosses t's of the whole thing but slightly more practical for the small businesses uh, mailing systems like mailchimp allow you to see who is opening your emails mm -hmm. right so if you send out a monthly newsletter and someone hasn't read it for six months yeah they're probably not that interested 
so you yeah. can create segments and and what you might want to do is focus your efforts on the people who aren't reading your stuff because the mm -hmm. people who are and are opening every month assuming you've got oh, an unsubscribe button well i don't know that they're consenting but they're the least likely people to say why are you sending me this stuff if every month they read it avidly on yeah they? So I'm not yeah. talking about their consents anymore, value, but as a matter of common sense, if you send me a monthly email that I read yeah. end to end because it's so interesting, in what yeah. universe am I going to go to? How dare you send this stuff to me? Yeah. <laughs> the, okay. So if we go to the people who don't read, let's have a look at them. Be aware of the fact that lots of people read emails, uh, newsletters on MailChimp and stuff like that, on things like iPad, and they often read them in preview. So you you may be devastated thinking, my best friend never reads my email newsletter, but she reads it every month, but it still shows up as unread. So yeah. that's the group of people you might want to go. You signed up when you came to our pottery to get ceramics done. You know, you've been on the list ever since. I'm not quite sure if you're reading it on an iPad or opening it or not. Do you want to carry on? click this thing and you'll stay on the list or, you know, use some sense, but don't go and by the way, it's 5% off and do you want shoes and my best friends are florist and I don't know if you want a trip to Florida and here's the price because that's just taking the mic off, you know? Yeah. Now that has the advantage as well that unless you've got a very tiny list, you are paying for MailChimp. So yeah. Is it 250 get free? And everyone else got a similar system, yeah. MailChimp, yeah. not the only platform. So after that, you pay in bands, don't you? 250 to 500 That's subscribers, right. 500 to 1,000, whatever. Yeah. So if you've got a list with 5,000 people on it, of whom 2,000 aren't opening, chances are you're in a much higher band for your email newsletters than you yeah. would be if you confined yourself to sending emails to people who actually wanted them. Yeah. So you could actually save yourself some money and reduce your uh, subscription, right? Yeah. Um, which also would improve all sorts of things because all the major email platforms, and I'm, I'm going to talk to you about why in a minute because it's really scary this, know what your list opening rates are. So if you've got a list with a 10% open rate or a 20% open rate or a 50% no, they know that just as you do. But I don't know if you realize that the lowest open rate lists get the least priority in terms of sending them out. So when you hit send now okay. or send at four o'clock on Friday, if you've got an 80% open and someone else has got a 20% open, yours is the one that goes out for. If there's any log jam in the system, it's the poor performers. So, um, yeah, I'll deal with how do I check my software server is in a minute. That's a nightmare. Let's get to that. So you really don't want a duffly performing list. But here's, we're just going to finish with email marketing. One of the really big differences that's happening from this wonderful day in May is this. At the moment, as the data controller, and weirdly that's you, the business, not the person whose data it's about, I'm the data subject which really irritates me. I'm not anyone's subject. But anyway, as the data controller in the business, you're the one that gets fined when all this goes wrong. Yeah. And at the moment, I mean, no one wants to be fined, but but in compared to GDPR, they're fairly modest. You know, as of the 25th of May, not only you, the data controller, can be fined, but so can the data processor. Okay. That, that's the people who are processing your data. Now, in this context, it's your newsletter, you're the controller. My stuff yeah. is on it. I'm the data subject, but the data processor is MailChimp. Now, those fines are 4% of turnover or can be or 20 million euros. How long do you think MailChimp is going to keep you as a customer if they start seeing your open rates go through zero? Yeah. 
So your real problem isn't one of the four overworked people in the information commissioners that are going to come inspect you and fine you. But from a marketing point of view, is your platform provider going to go, do you know what, I think it's time you took your business somewhere else. Now, if you read the MailChimp Terms of Business, and I highly commend that you do, you actually promise that you will only use this with consent. You promise that you're not uploading third-party lists that aren't properly consented, blah, blah, blah. And when they can be fined, if your list opening numbers don't reflect what you could reasonably expect in your industry if that promise was valid, what do you think will happen? And I don't mean just MailChimp. I mean Infusionsoft. I mean Active yeah, Campaign, yeah. Constant Contact. Anybody. They are not going to risk that kind of money for you. Yeah. That's where your problem is, not whether some poor person from the information commission <laughs> wander up on the back of a VAT inspection. Because if you become a consistent male performer, you may find your route yeah. to market is being blocked for you. It might be so, yeah. because I'll get millions of emails I don't want. Yeah. How do you check where your software server is? Well, that, whoever's asking that, is one of the most difficult questions on the planet. In our groups, we run polls about where is it? You know, what software are you using? And we take the next thing and we go find out. We've done that as part of a GDPR audit and it's driving me through through because about 80% of people are going, we will be GDPR compliant. And it's like, well, what does that mean? It's March. <laughs> you know, um, so that. Checking where your software server is, if you're a subscriber, you want to look at the data privacy, data security, data location um, policies. You will find MailChimp's in America, Infusionsoft's in America, um, Microsoft have got European stuff. Um, they're about the only ones who reliably do Dropboxes in America. Eight out of ten times the answer is America. Okay. Right. And, and um, there are in some sectors very few alternatives um, location wise. And again, we've got this mad idea that, that, that data mustn't be outside the EU, which is another one of these elephant ear problems. What, what GDPR and the current data regulations say is it, if you want data to go outside the EU, it has to be to a country where the standards are regarded as adequate. I don't want to start okay. diplomatic wars this morning. We're having enough trouble already. But you can imagine there are some when this is not the case, you know. And um, it's not a good idea to share data about your business into countries who've got no idea about data privacy and security anyway. But even if you think it is, when it comes to personal data about living individuals, you may not. The complication yeah. that comes out of this is that America is not on the list of countries that has adequate safeguards. Yeah. Okay. This is to do with the fact Americans have completely different ideas about rights and responsibilities for data. In Trump's America, he gets to see everything. And yeah. that rather bothers the European Commission who think privacy is an issue. So the, the, the compromise between us all is something called the US Data Privacy Shield. So if you've got a, a supplier who's got the US Data Privacy Shield and it is in, in the States, obviously it doesn't really help if it's going to some other country completely, yeah. then um, that's regarded as the equivalent of a safe country. But okay. you will hear people go, you mustn't send your data to America, you mustn't send your data here. And the reality is you need to know, you need to check. But the other thing is you need to tell people. So it's not that you can't do it, but there are two things you need to do. One, if you're sending data off to America, people need to know. 
So you put it on your data privacy policy. It's on mine, I think. Lord knows I've redrafted it 15 times in the last 18 months, you know. And I think somewhere in it, it says an awful lot of us if it goes to America. You probably will end up with some stuff in America. We only use data privacy shield people, but we cannot stay in the UK in a global economy. It just doesn't work. So it's not true you can't. You must tell people and then you can. But what people so, are doing is, is you can't because you haven't told them. But it's it, it just reversing. Uh, okay. And that, that's what's causing a lot of anxiety. Now, there's a special category of data, which is currently known as sensitive data, and is changing its name for no obvious reason to special category data. But it's the same type of okay. data. Gosh, couldn't make this up. So, really, so, that's, so that's like gender and sexuality and that type politics, of Politics, religion, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And, and I'll give you the ID data if you need to have passports because you're doing ID checks and stuff like that. Okay. That you don't tell them it's going to America or out of the, or out of the EU. You, yeah. That it has gone. You have to get specific individual consent before it goes. Right. So this gives rise to people saying you can't use this platform because it's in America. You can't use that platform because it's in America. And it's back to front. The answer is if it has the data privacy shield, you may if you've informed people or B, if you're on yeah. special category data, if you've asked consent beforehand for each occasion. But because most people haven't informed and haven't asked consent, they can't. But they could if they did it differently. Yeah. So that's a bit detailed, isn't it? But that's why you're hearing people say you can't do it. Yeah. So it's a if, you, yeah. if you do it right, you can do it. But most people aren't yeah. doing it right. And it's not really difficult to do it right. But you just have to do it right, don't you? And yeah. somehow that's got completely entangled into, you know, my information must never leave Oxted or something. It, and it's because yeah. the people who are listening to this listen to a bit of it. As anyone yeah. has like now, uh, hands up anyone who's heard and understood every single word I've said. Because normally you get to a bit that <laughs> you're interested in. You've been going so quickly. That's right. I mean, normally you get to a bit that interests you or a bit that bothers you yeah. and you stick with that bit and you miss the next bit. And this is yeah. GDPR is a massive game of Chinese whispers from that point of view. So, if, if I, you know, apart from the respect with the data, what I'd really like to get forward to people is it's not about what you can't do. It's about yeah. transparency and consent to enable you to do it. It's all gone backwards for some reason. <laughs> yeah. I can't even spell it now. Um, have we got any more questions from anybody? Because we've sort of run out of time. And as yeah. much as I could speak to Annabelle all day, I know she's got so many other people that she wants to speak to. So sorry, honestly. I never thought that something that unpopular could make me that popular. It's been a bit of a surprise. <laughs> right. But, you know, I think my big lesson is not to panic to people. Find out what information you're collecting. Figure out why. If you don't need it, stop it. <laughs> that would be a good plan. If it's just in case something might hold on stuff you need of course you've got to hold on to invoices and financial records and stuff for your insurers don't let anybody panic you and then don't get in a complete fizz about it or be systematic it's something you need to check it's something you need to do if gdpr is keeping you up at three o'clock in the morning you need to get out more 
<laughs> good, good. I'm pleased you said that. I mean, one one of the whole things about the the business cheerleading club is about helping people to to run their business their way. And yes. you know, GDPR is very much about getting the systems in place to run your business your way. So it, it's a whole it is a whole support system. But I think the scaremongering about it is you know is sending people into such a tiz that it is it's turning people off running their own business and. You know, if it's not right to run your own business now, that's absolutely fine. But that's your choice. Don't let GDPR scaremongering stop you from running your business your way because it's there as a support. One question from me um, is is Google, um, because lots of people use Google and Google Docs. Um, and is Google part of the, what do you call it, The um, has it got the US Privacy Shield Agreement? Um, do you know that, or is it something? Yes, it has, and um, but there's slightly more to data privacy and GDPR than privacy shields. But the one thing I would say about Google and a lot of other platforms is a lot of the home-based free non-subscription software is not being supported for GDPR security standards, even though it may or may not have the data privacy shield. And a lot of entrepreneurs were a bit tight, aren't we? We do like a freebie. And you need to be really careful about home-based platforms that are free, um, even paid ones that are a home, you know, windows for home. Yeah. They are not carrying the, the, the right levels of data security and encryption for you to be using customer data on because they're not yeah. designed for that. They think this is for you to email your mum. You know, yeah. and we, we are a bit tight about these things. And yes, there is a, there is an on cost to properly securing your data and it's getting on business versions of things and it's yeah. it's getting on up to date versions of things. So I'm sorry if you're on Windows 97. Can't be done. <laughs> you know, I know some people out there love it, but, you know, we are in the 21st century. Your software needs to be in the 21st century. And that's another area where so Gmail domestic. I mean, I've got a personal Gmail account. I use I don't know why one has these things and I don't really use it, use it. Um, and I wouldn't dream of sending business stuff on that because that's not of the right standard. But, you know, Gmail's yeah. got a suite for business. Um, it's got great encryption in there. It's completely different. So I'm sorry the end of the freebie is coming. Well, you can still use them, but you won't be compliant. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's that's people's choices then, isn't it? It's, it's about understanding, you know, what, what you've got and what you need and then you know, making a business decision that risk or, you know, yeah. it's making that business decision. You know, I, am I going to pay that the money for, for the upgrade or am I not? Um, but also you need to watch what it does to insurance because a lot of businesses do insure for data loss. And you've sometimes got it in your policy, even if you don't know. But I think you'll find that your cover is conditional upon having adequate levels of software yeah. and a home based version of Windows 97 and a free Gmail account to run um you know a, a local shop through is is not adequate and you know yeah. I've, I've, i really don't know anyone in the business world who knows about it who thinks that is but there are yeah. an awful lot of people going well it's just gmail isn't it but it's not just gmail it's like you're asking me is a mini and a lamborghini the same thing well you you can drive them all on the road but you wouldn't use them for the same purpose would you and and we love a simple answer don't we we do yeah we do so, you know, 
Gmail can be a, a mini down at that freebie level, or it, what about a Lamborghini? But certainly a bit of a chieftain tank at its top end. And then if you've got all this yeah. security, turn it on because a lot of these platforms have it, but you have to click the button. Turn okay. on encryption, turn on you know, password, double authentication, all these things, because having a platform that could be secure is absolutely useless if you don't use it securely. And yeah. don't share your passwords. Give us all a break. Okay. <laughs> there we are. I know, so, I know some people use a um, an encryption or a, a, a software or a password. Locker. Password site that actually they put their passwords into this secure mm. site. Do you recommend something like that or do you? Yes, I do, because I can't remember my password. We're about 400. Oh. I couldn't possibly write, well, you're not going to write them down, it's not secure. But even within them, I'm a last pass bunny, but people use one pass, there's lots of others, yeah. you know. Yeah. I don't, I do occasionally share passwords for, for software that doesn't contain personal information. Because not all, yeah. if I need someone to do me something in Canva, and I'm rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> it all misses. I'll, I'll go <laughs> on it. Log into my site because then at least I yeah, can download yeah. it and use it without a problem. But I do not share passwords for anyone who's got access to personal data, even if they're under contract yeah. to me. Then you know, uh, we, we have a wholly outsourced business model now, so they would be outsourced because part of GDPR is being able to trace who did what with the data. And if your password sharing yeah. is impossible. And also, if you fall out with someone, then you've got to change all your own passwords. Whereas yeah. if they've got a separate log on, you'll just turn them off. You know, and that yes. word data controller means it's your job to control it. So that doesn't yeah. mean you go to the VA and go, you have the master passwords, because I can't be bothered to set it all up. You are the master or the mistress you control. And everybody yeah. else is, is a sub rent, if you like, when you're using them and yeah. you turn them off when you're done. And we yeah. need to explain around that. And obviously, um, password lockers are useful to stop you forgetting your own passwords. Yeah. But they're not there for you to share passwords to sensitive data with people. Yeah. You need one each. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, th there, there are so many other things sort of, you know, on my list that we, you know, if they come up in, in the group, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you the question directly, Annabelle, and, and get back to people. So. Because um, yeah, I, I think it, it, best. Um, so um, in terms of people getting in contact with you and maybe joining one of your groups, if that's you know the, the, the way for them to go and get more information, it's um, coffeeclatch.co.uk, is that right? Yeah, and our GDPR page is forward slash GDPR. So we try and keep it reasonably um, friendly. And um, not quite all the groups are on that page yet because they're forming faster than I can actually get them on the page. I have okay. a VA who sold visa of existence is to put things on pages, but she's running seven okay. days behind me. We have uh, digital VIPs up there, which is for people who market their business online. Um, and these are what we call early adopter groups. So as soon as we get 20, the group goes live. We've got one for health yeah. therapists, by which I mean massage, osteopathy, Pilates, not NHS, you know. Yeah, it's supposed to be on there, and I, I can't find a picture to make the product okay. live. I'm having an idiocy moment. So they are happening, but there's also a mailing list there. We let people know on our mailing list what the new groups yes. are, and we do give a sort of monthly. This is the big GDPR issue of the month on that, as well as these are the groups. And I'm probably the only person in the world who gets written complaints that we don't send enough emails. 
But okay. actually, I'm not big on burying people in emails. Um, I think life is very You're short. giving them what they need, aren't you? You're giving them the, you know, the overview and it, it's down to them to, you know, to do the work. You know, that your, your, um, you know, your planner, you know, is excellent. It's not, yeah. it's down to people to do that high level stuff. And then if they need extra help, to ask yeah. the questions. And so anyone who hits that page to get a pop-up with a mailing list on it and that planner does go out automatically to anyone who joins that list as far as i know and i say that because these days the automations are so peculiar it's meant to go but no one would ever tell me if i hadn't got it so i'm, I'm hoping okay, they well, the technology is taking it over haven't they but you can yeah. tell me sign up and tell me did you get your gdpr plan or not but it, it's not meant to be a nightmare is it and no Business is about processes, isn't it? I mean, most of us have got a process for dealing with cash or money in the business. Yeah. I don't know many people who run a serious business who go, I don't know, we might bank it, we might not. We might do a banquet, we might not. We might send an invoice, we might not. But that's kind of startup mode, that's exciting, but it's way too exciting when you've got an established business, you want something a bit more routine. You need something like that with data, don't you? And by the way, data is as good as money in the bank, you know that. That is exactly why people want to steal it from you, because yeah. they know that that information is as valuable as cash. So we should treat it that way. Yeah. Thank you so much, Annabelle. That has been absolutely brilliant and fabulous and just brings it down to like the basics um, yeah. of it, it's down to you as a business owner to it's your responsibility but it's your responsibility to manage your whole business and the information gathering and storing and using is just part of that process. So whether it's um, employees, whether it's VAs, whether it's customers, that's all part of your business anyway. And all GDPR is doing is just making you look at it. It's just making you review what you've got, the process you've got in place and making sure they're secure so that your, your employees are, um, are, that all their data is secure or your customers, you know, you're not sharing your customer data. And that's exactly what GDPR is doing. So I love that, you know, GDPR is a process for using and storing information. That's it, simple. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's all about process, isn't it, at the end of the day. And the thing is, everyone wants to outsource the work, don't they? But as a business owner, you can, you can outsource as much work as you like, but you can never outsource the responsibility. Yes. You remain the boss, whether you're doing this with your own hands and filling in the checklist or whether yeah. you're saying to someone, I don't know, I'm really busy, you fill it in. But if they fill it in wrongly, it's still your responsibility. Yeah. That is what being a boss is. Yeah. That's why some people love it and why some people can't stand it. <laughs> yes. So within the Business Cheerleading, Cheerleading Club, I know we're going to have lots of conversations about this. So, you know, we've, 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 we'll have a thread that, you know, we, we help people through any of these um, these questions that they have. And obviously, um, I'll, I'll make sure that the link to, to Coffee Clatch and, and, and the free checklist and all the groups that you have to support people um, is, 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 is listed below as well. So thank you so much, Annabelle. That's been absolutely You're brilliant. Welcome. I really enjoyed it. See you soon. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much. To contact the Business Club, um, for now, whilst we get everything sorted, please use managethosethings.com forward slash.
contact. That's managethosethings.com forward slash contact. Or I'm on Twitter at Tracy underscore Jane. Or you can um, come to the Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash manage those things. That's all one word. So look forward to hearing from you soon. Bye.